Most performers, when backstage, mentally prepare to step onto the stage to either sing, dance, or maybe, if they're a comedian, they're just going to talk. All of them have both feet on the ground, and if done right, they put a smile on the face of everyone in the audience. But other performers, when working through their pre-performance checklist, they're thinking about something else. When they step into the spotlight, they don't speak, they don't sing, they may not even tell jokes. Rather than keeping two feet on the ground, they communicate through body language in compelling and extraordinary ways. And in many cases, their limelight is not a stage at all. Imagine you step up, but you're hanging from a helicopter, or perhaps you're on a high wire walking over New York's Times Square, or you were shot out of a cannon over whirling helicopter blades, only to safely return to the ground. And if that isn't enough, our guest tonight watched his daughter slip into a big box and get blown up by dynamite. She's fine, by the way. And on Britain's Got Talent, Simon Cowell said to our guest and his lovely daughter, Annalise, you two are certifiably insane. I mean that as a compliment. You are two of the most incredible acts we have had on Got Talent over the years. With his signature foot tall strawberry bond quaff, every time he steps on his stage, he climbs his way to the top to safely work his way back down to the bottom. And he and his family have entertained children of all ages for eight generations with his showmanship, his courage, and his ability to effectively and wonderfully collaborate. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And if you haven't guessed, guessed my, our guest this evening is Bello Nock. Bello, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. What a pleasure. What do we call what you and your mates who do death-defying acts, what do we call you guys? I'm an entertainer. And the reason is, give me a table, Give me a stage, give me a platform, um, give me a soapbox, give me Madison Square Garden, and I'll entertain the audience. And you, you learn that you will do the same show with the same integrity for 20,000 people or a blind man and his dog. You give it the same approach, same passion, and the same amount of trust and respect. Now, you may go about it different, or the content might be different, but the passion, the thought, and the respect approach is exactly the same. But we recognize, based upon your point, in order to achieve that visual front, it's inside of you. Is that how you think about it? It is. It is. You know, okay, so for people out there, you mentioned that I get shot out of a cannon, flew over the rotating blades of a helicopter. But for eight generations, my family have been circus performers, entertainers, but mostly entrepreneurs. They want to see you get this close, but not over the edge. Wow, this guy is, or these people are just daring enough to go where I don't know that I can. Once you go there, you have now set a new standard or a new height for people to dream, if that makes sense. Right, and why did you become that entertainer? I rode a unicycle before I rode a bicycle because I had access to it. Right. Um, the thought of being a daredevil, what a, an arena or an audience full of kids looking up, parents in amazement, looked up. I looked up and went, oh, mom and dad. 
I can remember doing my first sky high wire walk, like more than a high wire. A sky walk starts off anything over the normal, which is 30 foot. A normal high wire is 30 foot high, 30 foot across. Well, I started off 35 foot high and went up to 120, 130. And it was over a very polluted uh, bed of water um, in, in New Jersey. And it was my first time. Everyone's going to have their first one. The video that was shot behind my three kids looking at a fence, looking up at their dad, walking the wire. They're looking, they're looking, and I thought this is great. And the video that I watched afterwards, the kid, one kid turned around and said, after this is done, can we go get ice cream? <laughs> like it was just any other day at the office. <laughs> it's just what dad does. Uh, people understand me. So eight generations of my family. So the torch has been passed on to my daughter, eight generation Annalise, who now became my partner, um, who it's different. She's the younger than me. She's who I train. She's a female. She does what I do, but she does it like Fred Astaire. They said Ginger Roger had to do everything Fred Astaire did, only backwards and in high heels. So there was never any force or pressure from my parents to follow in the family tradition. 1772, our family dates back in circus. 1840, they founded Switzerland's first circus. Never any force to follow in the footsteps. They just said, Bello, you have to try it for 30 or 40 years. <laughs> You're free to make the decision and choice you want. You can have any career you want as long as it's an entertainer. <laughs> That's right. I drive people nuts because this is all I think about, all I do, all I want to teach about. The only difference is... In the magic world, I'm, I'm up there. In the clown world, maybe in the top 10. In the daredevil world, I'm maybe in the top 10. In the circus world, in the X Games. Whatever it is, I'm passionate. And it's not just the crazy out of, but there is the thought, the engineering, the science, the, the diligence that goes into what other people might think you're crazy because they only see the show that we show them all the hours of preparation that go into it to make it look easy is what no one sees. I love talking to those people just as much. Were you and your brothers homeschooled? What was yep, it like growing up? Yeah, so trekking yeah. around the world. Home, homeschooled, now, my mom and dad did, because now there's this homeschool people saying, do, you know, uh, do you get a, what is the, uh, uh, you know, integrated with people well we were at the circus of course <laughs> right right so right. yes homeschooled but not by our parents we were schooled in other ways mother spoke eight languages dad five languages so we learned language we learned the arts we learned everything about that schooling was done by um an au pair a teacher an educator that traveled with us all different ones all around right. my wife so i've been married uh, happily married eight years been married 32 years but happily married <laughs> but, I get it. Uh, my my wife homeschooled all three of our kids, and uh, one, as a necessity, uh, I think I was homeschooled as a necessity, my wife homeschooled as a choice. It was also a necessity. We traveled together and gave us a life um, of us traveling together. Um, so, that, you know, there's, there's expectations there, but there's also what some people might just read in a book, you get to travel the you know, the world and see it firsthand. Right. 
I'd imagine all of our listeners are going on to do something. Very few of them, if any, will be shot out of cannons. But that doesn't mean that they can't learn from you. And that's why I wanted you on the show. And I'm grateful for that. When you are going through in preparation for what you do, what is the mindset as it relates to your preparation and the audience's expectation? What's your mental checklist? Very, very important, Chuck. Um, I want to say this to everyone. Don't tune out because you go, oh, it's a clown or it's a daredevil circus performer. I'm never going to be any one of those. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because you don't get in the barrel of a cannon and when they start the countdown from 10 all the way to zero and blast off, in no way are you thinking, is this going to work? You have tried it over and over and over again to know that it's going to work and then you do it in front of an audience. They say the greatest improv is the one you practiced for 11 hours. You just make it seem like an improv. I learned at a very young age, I'm the youngest of four boys, youngest. So of course, just by a bit, by age, I was less, I wasn't as good as my brothers who were older and a little, maybe stronger and more time put at it. So my dad was teaching us all handstands. One brother could hold a one arm handstand minutes at a time. He would time it. It was crazy. The one struggling to get to a minute, one brother would hold the one arm handstand and just every once in a while, just go for a center. At nine years old, I two hand handstand. I struggled every second to hold two hands and I was so jealous. I wanted to do it. I lifted one hand and I held it for about three seconds and fell over. I said, dad, I did it. A one arm handstand. He said, great. Can you do it three times on Saturday? <laughs> Welcome and to the that, business. That was the moment I knew, don't say you can do it. If it's when they say good luck, there's no such thing as luck in any sense. It's when preparation meets opportunity. Dude. So you're only going to fool yourself if you say, oh, yes, I can do it. Because you may be the only person that you lied to. You're the person that, no, you're not the only person you lied to. You're the last person to realize it was a lie. Yeah. And no one lied. Why? So I'm working on it. This is my percentage. I think I've got it, whatever, but be honest with yourself because it's only a matter of time. Adrenaline only gets you so far. Adrenaline gets you the motivation to follow through, not the strength to do what you've never done before. Indeed. You're listening to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest this evening is the great performer, Bello Nock. Bello was talking about the evolution from being in the family business to passing it on to his daughter. You can see him on YouTube. You can see him on America's Got Talent. You can see him on a variety of shows. But there is so much more to being Bello Nock than being shot out of a cannon. And Bello, when it comes to learning the skill set, is how do you think about all these things you have to do, which to you are potentially fatal, but to many of our listeners, maybe not, but that doesn't mean they're not the same thing. How do you train and how do you integrate the mindset set to the skill set? The form of art that I am doing is circus daredevil. And some people would think, well, you have no regard. You're just, you know, uh, reckless. And it's almost like, hey, Facebook, Facebook Live. Hey, guys, watch this. And you go try something you've never done before. There's a frame. There's a, there's a breakdown. And I'm going to say it's as simple as this. Learn to walk. Learn to run. Learn to jump. Learn to fly. 
do one of them. It's an action. But you have to do them in steps. If you, if you think I am quicker, I am faster, I am whatever, and you jump a step, it's only a matter of time before you realize, you know what, I've never been on step two that would relate to step 12. You know what I'm saying? So Indeed. there's a real simple walking a wire. I refer to walking a high wire, whether that wire is two feet off the ground or 200 feet off the ground. Very simple. If you learn to swim in six feet of water, you can swim in 600 feet of water. You just, you think about staying on top and not what's below you. The same thing in a wire walker. Now that's also very hard when you know in my business, you know what you know you can do and then you've perfected it. Now you go do it in front of an audience. And in our um, business, in my business, I have to partner up with someone like Chuck Garcia and say, Chuck, don't worry, let me on air. I'm gonna talk and walk a wire. I'm gonna be safe as can be and while I'm talking to you. And then you tune in and I say to the audience, ladies and gentlemen, this is a first ever, never been done before, death-defying stunt that I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm not lying. I, what I am saying is it's death defying. It's never been done before, but I've rehearsed. Right. And we're going to go at it. And it's not saying I've never done this before. I don't think it's possible. At the same time, when you're talking that hyperbilly and, and whatever that is, to not believe it and not go, wait, wait a minute, because this is the hardest muscle to, uh, to, uh, to maintain it brain and to understand. Um, so knowing that confidence, never putting yourself out into a, a, a place, challenging yourself, but never putting into a place that you yourself don't know you can achieve. Why am I saying all this? People are listening to a guy who is a comic and a daredevil. They've never been mixed before in history because a daredevil is take me serious. Don't laugh at me applaud me when I'm done, silence please, and what I do is I am special. A clown is there for your amusement. A comic, I'm gonna make you laugh. I'm gonna make you dream, I'm gonna make you, it's okay to laugh at me. So the contradiction in terms, I, mean, I will say, 52 years old, I've done every stunt, multi Guinness Book of World Record holder, I've done 20, oh boy, I can't even think of how many shows I've done, 20,000 shows in my lifetime, that means about more than 5,000 shows um, a year, 5,000 shows a year, I don't think I have my math right there, um, 200,000 shows, um, no broken bones, accident, no accidents, injuries, major, cuts, bruises, little things that absolutely we're all going to as evil Knievel said who was the man who broke his more you know every bone in his body and some twice you're never a failure as long as you um don't stop trying pick yourself up brush yourself off and go at it again indeed i watched there was a show where you and annalise stood at these vertical poles and you climbed them. It looked like it was 90 feet. Now as a mountaineer, I climb rock and ice faces. And when we're on a vertical wall, I start to climb and we make it look rather effortless because we have something called protection. So as we scale our walls in the event that we fall, we fall and we're connected to a rope. When I watched you, watched you, both of you climb to the top, you don't have protection. It seems so effortless. What is going through your mind, if anything, 
When you are scaling those polls, I know you needed to meet Annalise at a particular time. So there's a choreography. Is the mind full? Is the mind empty? Or is it something else as you're scaling your way to the top? I use a reference of go to what you know. And in performance mode, I can tell you what I'm not thinking about what's for dinner, but I'm also not thinking if I'm going to make it. You're never on either ends. I mean, like walking a wire, climbing a pole, circus industry, it's all about balance. But don't just leave it to that. It's in a professional, it's in life, it's in everything. If you are way too far over here or way too far over here, you're off balance. So trying to find middle balance. When I walk a wire and try to teach someone, I have this created this place called The Funny Farm and I love training people and we'll talk about that. But yeah, some people would think that well, for eight generations, your family have been daredevils, wire walkers. It's in your DNA. It's easy for you. Right. Absolutely not. not. Just right. like someone who was a tremendous singer, it's not easy for them. They have to maintain keeping it. Whatever it is that you do, you have to work at. We can envy what you do and marvel at. Wow, what a talent you have. Or at least we should appreciate others. But you're never going to put yourself in such a... a, a um, on either ends of that spectrum, what it is, it's not better or worse balance, it's how quick you can adjust or readjust and not over adjust. Otherwise you have, whoa, 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 and it doesn't do it. It's like, just go to what you know, go to what you practice. An audience doesn't know what you don't show them. So in practice, you may be thinking that I've got this wonderful trick and I'm just not feeling it today. You know what? Do what you do, do what you can do, and show them that. Real simple. It is, so you're, let me just tell you, you're working in front of an audience. You're working with a partner. You're working for someone. So I call it 360. There's people underneath you, meaning literally and figuratively, there's partners. There's a boss above you. There's the people who are going to be your future um, uh, bosses, uh, people who are going to hire you, basically your future. You are projecting a certain amount of confidence to them, but you're telling a story. If I'm going to go do a death-defying stunt, and you can see it in your face that this guy is, I mean, even he's questioning if he's going to do it no one will ever hire you. So there's an, a certain amount of confidence. There's a certain amount. You want to look over to your audience member, um, or, sorry, your partner, and look out at them. When we talk about the generations, there's the stories that we've either heard, seen. You don't have to. You want to share that with people so people can understand because I'll just give you something. Friends of mine who a husband and wife the wife was gonna get shot out of a cannon. And it was, she had done it before. She was doing it for the first time in front of an audience. And she was thinking of everything that, you know, just everything that they practiced. She said, you know, I'm getting a little scared. I turned to my husband, partner, the person who's gonna push the trigger for just a sense of confidence. She said, I looked over at him. He was sweating, shaking. All he had to do was push the button. Right? She said, okay, don't look at him and look to someone else. She said, Bello, I looked over at you. You looked over it and you looked at me in confidence, gave me a thumbs up. And that gave me my shoulders dropped in confidence because that's it. You're at go point. You've done it before. 
You don't bring anything new to any performance that you haven't practiced and nothing new at showtime, nothing new at go time, nothing new at a race, nothing new. Do what you were trained to do. Absolutely. There's one other dimension here, and I, I, I want to explore this. When you get on your stage and spotlight, people say, wow, what an entertainer. But when you're back in the office and the accountant calls and says, revenues are down, expenses are up, you are not just performers, you're business people, you're entrepreneurs. How do you blend in the business part of it? And is that something that you are part of or is there someone else that manages that? 100% uh, we are for eight generations been entrepreneurs. I've never had a, uh, I hate to say a steady paycheck, but I've never just worked for the, pay, the paycheck. Right. Uh, I will tell you the form of how this goes. So this, my life is full of stories and um, for the good times and the bads. And most times in entertainers, even in my family, as we've always just, let's talk about the good times. Let's only promote it because that's what people want to come to the circus or a show. And they just want to um, forget about their headaches and heartaches of life. But then when you're talking to some people are going, am I ever going to climb a pole or a, you know? So back in the day, uh, say it's 1950, my father's parents owned a circus. My father and his family owned a circus. Well, you had to buy a ticket and come in the tent to see the circus. They traveled only Switzerland. Every year, the circus comes to town. In fact, there were eight circuses that came to that town every year. They just rotated. So business wasn't that good. So what did they do? They started topping off Christmas trees. So in uh, Switzerland, a Christmas tree doesn't look like ours, like it's big uh, with uh, branches all the way down. It will spruce all the way up like a shaft, get to sunlight over the mountain, and then spruce out. So there might be 10 or 20 feet of a tree on top of a 100-foot shaft. My dad climbed to the top of that one and was topping off the tree. He started swaying back and forth, making his brothers laugh. Brothers yelled up to him, hey, stop that. Shut up. People are going to know that we're from the circus. And he said, what an idea. Maybe we wouldn't have to sell Christmas trees. We could sell tickets. They thought, what an idea. They cut down two trees, brought them and set them up in front of the circus, and they did that as advertising for free. So now a tree, guys climbing to the top of these flexible trees outside of a tent that's twice the size of the tent, they did it for free. It attracted people to go, wow, if these people are crazy enough to do that outside for free, I wonder what's inside. Well, it paid off. A man named John Ringling North, owner of Ringling Brothers, was you know, going around Switzerland, looked at these guys, he said, I want you in America and I want you in our tent. And they were like, oh, those sway poles don't fit in our tent. He said, they fit in my tent in America, it's bigger. They headlined Ringling Brothers for four years. 50 years later, being all new, but in that same format, I headlined Ringling Brothers, but I would do at least once a month a wire walk over an arena, rappel off of Madison Square Garden. I would do something for people for free to, to know you don't just have to buy a ticket to know you could see something for free and wonder, wow, what is, if that guy's going to do that for us outside for free, what is he going to do inside? And there was a formula that I stuck to and tried to um, help. Again, we we're going to talk about the circus but to be able, it's not about us and what we do, although that is the attraction, it is about inspiring people. So the circus has to be ever-changing and never-changing all at the same time. 
given that you don't always perform in a three ring circus, what do you have coming up where our viewers can see you next? You know, as an audience and entrepreneur, we're always looking for the biggest audience, mm -hmm. right? The next audience or the one that you can resonate and impact. So my daughter and I are going to team up and go back to America's Got Talent and um, a little bit of double the double the daring, double duo. It's a dad-daughter daredevil duo. Never been done before on TV, but America's Got Talent is right now the current biggest platform that you can be on. You know, hundreds of millions of people watch it worldwide. It's in every country. So America's Got Talent actually coming up uh, this Tuesday will be on. And uh, uh, let's let's give them the date. It's going to be on August. Um, uh, August. 11th. August 11th. Okay. So to our listeners, a couple days from now, August 11th, you will be on America's Got Talent. In your case, when I watch you and Annalise climbing a pole without protection, there's an attitude and respect that you bring to your craft, not a recklessness, but the ability to work through the fear and to confront it and to recognize that you're taking a step at a time. And everything you do is a step at a time, is it not? Absolutely. You just said three magic words there. Fear, respect. And with ADD, I forgot the other one. But <laughs> some people will say to me, some people will say, do you have a fear of heights or you have no fear of heights? And you go, no, no, absolutely. I have a respect for heights. Right. I don't know if it's the first step on a ladder on stairs or if it's the, no, the first step even if we got into business together, it was only about money, only about the greater good, no matter what it is, the first step we take together is just as important as the last step across the finish line. You have a signature look about you. There's no question when people say, hey, here, here, who's Bello? And they see your picture. Don't need a word and don't need an introduction. Tell us about why you developed it and the importance of the distinction of your signature look. So it's funny, Chuck, that you say that. Uh, I speak five different languages, uh, play 12 different musical instruments. I've done every circus stunt, multitude of Guinness Book of World Records, X Games, you name it. Oh, and played with Cheap Trick. I want to I want to throw that in. <laughs> on stage. Yes, right, on stage with Cheap Trick. You were not blown out of a can and you played guitar. <laughs> out of all of those achievements, um, talent is not enough. So you can look funny, you can be recognizable, you can go, hey, my best, my, my favorite is on, let's go watch it, and you're only as good as your last performance. You have tuned into A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. My guest this evening is the wonderful Bello Knock, my friend, how blessed we are to bring him onto the show. You can see him on Tuesday night on America's Got Talent to do his death define whatever it is. I don't want to give it away. It's just thank you so much, Bello, for your dedication to your craft. It is inspiring to see the mindset and the skill set coming together for passing it on to your children and for bringing the love and the joy that children put on their faces every time they see you. So from your great, 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 great grandfather swinging on the top of trees in Switzerland to now watching you and your death-defying feats, we are blessed for that. So thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you very much, uh, Chuck. Thank you for having us. And listeners and watcher viewers, you can watch me and my dear daughter, Annalise Knock, on America's Got Talent, hopefully uh, to entertain you. Indeed. So good night to our audience. Thank you so much for tuning in.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.